When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here's Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. I am Matt Michaels, Brad Trinago. Hello. Hello, how's it going? It is going very well. For those of you on Facebook Live, no surprise who our guest is today. I'll leave you in suspense and audio for 30 more seconds. As I thank our sponsors, our fine sponsors at Shelter Insurance, recently ranked highest in customer satisfaction among auto insurers in the central region. Four out of five years by J.D. Power Shelter Insurance. We're your shield. We're your shelter. Also, thanks to Socket Fiber. They power the podcast, the fastest, most reliable internet. 1-800-SOCKET-3 or visit Socket.net. This is a really exciting day, Matt. It's, it's the start of a new era. My house is now a socket fiber house. That's of really? course of course that's what we're talking about. Officially. That, that new era, yes. Well, so bravo. Very, very exciting times. Welcome yes. to the fiberhood. Thank you. Indeed. Thank you. It's an honor. I mean I, so that's why I saw fireworks going up from your part of town <laughs> the other day. <laughs> it's a party. Yeah. Get it there. All right, we'd like to welcome in our guest today, the newly named head coach of Mizzou Baseball, a familiar face, Carrick Jackson, is with us here on the pod. Welcome back home. Like if people say welcome home, it's like okay, come Come on in. And for you, it's like, no, 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 I get it. So it's welcome back home for you, Coach, and we're glad to see you here. It's a sweet homecoming. I appreciate being back. You made it about a sentence and a half as head baseball coach before you started getting emotional about this opportunity. Where did that emotion come from? Uh, you know, it's, it was genuine, right? It, it was it was the idea of, <clears throat> as I talked about, this has always been a place where I've wanted to be. It's a job that I've always wanted. And um, when things started to progress and we started having conversations, it was kind of, I'm a realist, right? 
right? So it was all I ever asked was for the opportunity. And if it happened, great. If it didn't happen, I got my shot and it wasn't meant to be. And so uh, as I mentioned at the podium, uh, people kept asking me, you know, has it hit you yet? Has it hit you yet? Uh, and again, until I was standing there and looking at my boys and looking at my wife and, and being in that room and realizing that I was just being introduced as the new head baseball coach at the University of Missouri, that's when it just kind of just kind of came over me. You know, for a former Kirkwood pioneer, someone with deep ties to the St. Louis area and to Columbia, both places, it, it, it sounds like it was always in the back of your mind, like, man, if I ever had the shot, if I ever had the shot. So when the shot comes around, does it sneak up on you in a way? Do, do you kind of say like, oh, now all of a sudden here it is. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. Can you describe what, what that feeling is as a coach? Uh, you know what? I think it's it goes back to just the idea of this is what I've been waiting for. When was the opportunity going to present itself? Was the opportunity going to be at the right time for where I was in my career? Uh, so you, you run through all those scenarios in your mind. And, and again, when I got that first call, I was like, okay, here, here it is. It's, it, it's here now. And, and I think as coaches or anybody, you know, when you, when you get a job um, – and you're excited about that job. You're it's something new. You're moving into something um, that that is going to be an, an awesome experience for you. But when you land what it is that you've always wanted, it, it's different. You know, I've I, I was the head coach of Southern. I was excited about being the head coach of Southern. I was the head coach of Memphis. I was excited about being the head coach of Memphis. This is different. This is a lot different. Those are great places. Uh, but again, as you started at the beginning, this is home. Athletic Director Desiree Reed-Francois pointed out, too, that, that your mom used to work here at the athletic department. Do you have, have memories of, of that time when she was here? Yeah, so it's funny because <clears throat> she came up and she was an administrative assistant for Brian Maggard. And Mike Alden was the AD at the time. The position was open. And we had just had our first son, Zion. Um, and so I remember Mike Alden calling me and saying, hey, your mom applied for this position, but man, she's way overqualified to be an administrative <laughs> assistant. And I said, Mike, you don't understand. It has nothing to do with that job. She wants to be around this baby every day. Um, and so uh, she got in there and hit the ground running and, and her responsibilities just completely expanded from what the initial position was because she had had so much experience in, in other industries. So your first time in Columbia, your first stint, what it started, and, and Coach Jamison brought you on staff. Where were you in your career coming in as an assistant coach to say, okay, here's what I want to accomplish when I'm here at Missouri? And how does that evolve over the course of several seasons that you spent here? Yeah, you know what? Um, at the time, I was the Midwest Area Scout and Supervisor for the Washington Nationals. Uh, coach Vitello and I, um, we, we've been friends forever. Uh, and he let me know that he was going to be leaving and taking the job at TCU. Um, and he said, are you interested? And I said, without a doubt, because I'd always, again, I'd always work camp here when I was coaching junior college. I was always around the program, um, assisting in any way that I could just because I had an affinity for this place. Uh, and so when he told me that the opportunity was there, I just sent Coach Jamison a text and I said, I'd love to help you get to Omaha. And that's all I said. Um, and and that was my goal then. That is my goal now. Um, and that is something that we're going to get accomplished uh, in my time here. And obviously that relationship with Coach Jamison has continued because he, he's been helping you out now the, the last couple of years. So what, what's that relationship been like? What, what does Coach Jamison bring to the table now for you that helps make your programs better? Experience. 
Um, you know, when you talk about how long he's been in the game and all that he's done in this game, uh, when you look at those of us that are involved in baseball now that either played and or coached underneath him, uh, that the experience part aspect of it is invaluable. Um, and, and so for me, I think there's no better sign of respect than to go and bring someone that you work for and bring them back in the fold to help you build something um, and get us in a position where we want to be as a, a national ranked program. You know, the asset of having an experience working with someone over the course of many years and then to have that ability to bring them back on. What sort of advantages have you found that has for you and Coach Jay and your relationship at Memphis at the very least? It's been huge because one of the things, even once I left here, we always stayed in contact with each other with different stops that I made um, and, and asking his advice. Uh, and the one thing that I did when I brought him back uh, with me to Memphis was I need you to make sure that I'm going about it the right way. I, I'm not worried about that. But again, sometimes you can get in the moment and you can get overwhelmed with certain things. And uh, I'm pretty good about staying grounded. Uh, but the idea of having someone there in my ear and say, ah, you know what? you went left there, you probably should have gone right. Uh, and and I made sure he understood I was giving him permission to make sure, hey, hold me accountable. If, if I'm doing the wrong thing, then I expect you to write that path because I know you have my best interest in mind. I know that you want to be successful um, and your experience would lead me to believe that, that you will also be able to lead me in the right direction. You were here at Mizzou at a really interesting time for the, the whole athletic department, the end of the Big 12 era, the transition toward the SEC era. During your time here, what was the biggest difference you felt in the conferences, uh, particularly for baseball? Uh, you know what? I mean, the Big 12 is always a competitive conference, and we were pretty fortunate uh, that we, the last two years in the Big 12, we are in the championship game. We get walked off in 2011 where we're winning, uh, then we come back in 2012, and it was almost deja vu, very similar situations, and we end up being able to get it done that year. Um, and then I think, you know, again, just kind of the, the logo or mantra of SEC it just means more. When you get into the SEC, you saw how passionate the fans were across the board everywhere. Um, you saw the investment that institutions were making uh, to, to put themselves in a position where you're talking about being in the best conference uh, in the country. Uh, and so there was it was just a little bit different of a feeling uh, when you got into this league. When you look <clears throat> at facing an SEC team, no matter where you are and who you are, in this league or out, as you've done at Memphis and as you've done at Southern, what goes through your mind when it comes to the level of talent that you face on a regular basis when you play someone from this conference? You know what? I think that obviously the talent is premium, but I think with where we are in college baseball and the parity that's been created, everybody's frontline players are probably good enough to play anywhere in the country, mm -hmm. right? Minus some of your lower conferences and that. But when you look at those mid, high, mid-major conferences, their frontline guys are good enough to play anywhere. Or are you going to Omaha? Yep. Indiana State, and a, Indiana and a State good was club in, for two years. Yeah, Indiana State was in a super regional, right? So when you look at those players, you're talking about being the best of 16 and the best of eight. Um, and they're not in a power conference. And they don't have uh, 18, you know, $40 million stadium. They don't have, you know, a multi-million dollar budget. They're baseball players. And so that's the beauty of our sport. You, you won't see Indiana State competing for a national championship in football. It's just... 
is not going to happen, right? Like it, or you doesn't have football. Um, so, so I think that's the parity in, in baseball that um, that front line and the difference in the SEC is that second line is also really good. Um, and so when you get into the depth of it, uh, the depth of each of those SEC programs is just a little bit better than anyone else in the country. So how do you build up the roster here at Mizzou to have those those multiple lines of talent, if you will, especially now in this transfer portal era where I, I, I don't know what the number is going to end up being, but there's a, a decent chance you're going to have to build, you know, more than half the roster is probably going to be guys that weren't here this past season. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think probably in the first couple years we'll look uh, to be in the portal, but I don't want that to be our source moving forward. I think when, you, when you're talking about establishing culture, um, you have to have kids that are committed uh, to what it is that you're doing. Uh, and so I think that becomes important in the grand scheme of things. Um, I also think that we can't be in a position here at Missouri where we're comparing ourselves to what other people are doing. We have to do what we do and what works for us, and that will allow us to be in a position to be success- successful. When you look at where we were in the Big 12, what happened when we were in the Big 8, we were never in a position where we had the most and we had the best of what other people had. But what we had was determination. We had that grit. We had that chip on our shoulders. And that allowed us to be successful in those leagues despite um, any of those other things that were there. So we have to get back to that and get back to our identity and, and understanding what our culture needs to be. And then that is going to put us in a position to be successful. With the timeline of what the transfer portal is now how how do you go about making an assembly from a bunch of different parts as a new head coach because you have a staff to fill out you have things to set from the culture on day one as you described and you have players who who you were very open saying give me a chance to recruit you here if you if your name is in the transfer portal and there are some do you compartmentalize that and try to go one two three or do you say I just take it as it comes and I'm trying to do all of this at the same time to have this come together in, you know, a month's time because the way the timeline works these days in college baseball is accelerated and it's kind of nuts with the number of things that change even as the college world series hasn't even begun yet. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's uh, as the term is always used, drinking out of a fire hose, right? Um, you know, right now, for all practical purposes, from a coaching staff standpoint, uh, I'm a one man show, um, and so it's connecting with the current players, connecting with the incoming players, making sure that the recruits that are um, in the 24 class, um, that those guys um, who have an opportunity to reach out to those guys, and then figuring out what the pieces we need, who's leaving, who's not, um, who's going to stay, who's on board, who's not on board, all those. Those kind of different things and so yeah it has to be um, compartmentalized but in one big compartment um, so it, <laughs> it has to, all those things have to take place simultaneously um, and and whereas I constantly tell our players um, that hey there's 24 hours in a day there's 168 hours in a week um, I'm readily finding out 24 hours isn't even enough um, in one day to get everything something is spilling over into the next day and um, if you're a day or a minute late it may cost you a player here or there and so you just got to kind of pick up the pieces and keep rolling you mentioned being a one-man show for now I'm, I'm guessing that won't continue at least I would not recommend that I, <laughs> I, I would I would have some assistant coaches to help you out uh, so besides you mentioned coach Jamison already and the strengths that that he has brought to your program what about other assistant coaches that you're ultimately going to hire what what are you looking for from members of your staff yeah so the biggest thing for me is I've, as I said in the press conference we will hire the best fit 
Uh, I'm, I'm not in search of the best in the country at what they do because the best in the country at what they do may not fit. Uh, and if they don't fit, it won't work. No matter how good they are, um, there has to be a synergy um, within the staff because we're going to go through a lot of trials and tribulations together. We don't have to be best friends, but we do have to be able to get along and have a mutual respect for each other that supersedes the idea of what our professional relationship is. So that's a big deal to me is making sure that we bring people in that fit what it is that we want to do, that understand who it is that we are and who we have to be and don't get lost up into the idea of, oh, we're supposed to have this or we have what we have. This is what it is. And we have to have guys that understand that. And as we're going out and recruiting, getting players that also understand that. And then in turn, that allows us to build something really, really special. Has that interest been there from the jump? People knowing that you have a staff to fill in terms of folks you know around the game and maybe some you don't even reaching out and saying this is something I'd like to be a part of? Add that compartment to the big compartment. Yes. (laughs) There's been obviously a ton of people that, again, over 20, going on almost 25 years uh, in this business business that you amass relationships with. And and the one thing that I pride myself on, um, I think I'm the same person today that I was when I was coaching high school baseball at Parkway South and Kirkwood High and basketball. And so staying true to self, people understand what I'm about and what they're getting. Uh, so there's no mystery there. Um, never have I been in a position where I've allowed the, de- the position that I've held to define me. I am who I am. And so then again, I think that in turn attracts people to want to be a part of this because they know it's genuine. You mentioned Parkway South and Kirkwood. You've got some some deep roots in the St. Louis area. I, I just, I just want to go back to, to your days. What, what drew you to baseball specifically first as a player and, and now as a coach so growing up it was baseball uh, and football that I played and and again it was the idea of having activities um, I was raised by my grandparents and so um, and both of them worked full-time my grandfather was a minister um, and he was a assessor for the city and then my grandmother sold shoes um, and so I had to be involved in something because I wasn't gonna be able to stay at home by myself so being involved in those sports um, uh, is what kind of drove that and and just throughout my entire career growing up as baseball football football, baseball, football, and I played basketball when I was a sophomore in high school, and and I started playing basketball because I was tired of being the last person picked in pickup games, Um, (laughs) so I dedicated myself to being able to go out and do that, and and I think just that love of of baseball just over time, um, because that was something that was always constant and consistent um, in my my youth uh, and growing up. Do you find that that love you have for the sport in youth, at least in your experience, has carried through all these different stops because, as you said, area scout, I mean, president recently of the draft league. You have done so many things at so many different places in this game. Have you found that love to stay the same even when it turns into the job and even when the job gives you bad days and good days? The benefit is it's never been a job. The benefit is that that it's been a calling, it's been a purpose, and the purpose in that calling has been relationships and developing relationships. And so wherever I've been in different phases of my life, that's always been the center. Right is developing relationships, assisting these young men and growing and, and being men uh, and teaching lessons. Um, and, and nothing is more important than that. Not wins, not a job, not a paycheck. Nothing is more important than making sure those lessons are taught and staying true to the mission uh, and the purpose. And, and so for me, um, when I've had opportunities where I've gotten away from actual coaching, if I couldn't find that purpose in what I was doing, 
then then it became a job. Mm-hmm. Well, as Matt mentioned, you've had a lot of different jobs around the game of baseball, and one that stood out to me anyway was spending a couple years as an agent in, in Scott Boris's camp. So you mentioned how important building those relationships are. By having that experience as an agent for a little while, how do you feel like that helps you to build relationships with college baseball players and, and future college baseball players when you're on the recruiting trail? Because it gave me a perspective of the other side, right? Um, being on the scouting side, you have one perspective. Being on the coaching side, you have one perspective. Being on the playing side, you have one perspective. Now being on that agent side gives you another perspective. And then I was pretty fortunate to be the president of the draft league. So that gave me that final perspective, right? And so now I have a true 360 view and that I can tell these kids, I've done everything there is to do in this game. And I understand it from all sides. Um, and being around the Boris Corp and being around Scott and, and uh, Scott Boris and Scott Champarino, the guys that are in that office, the knowledge base that flows through that place is unbelievable. And so just the, the things that I was able to learn from the other side of the game and the business side of the game um, became very, very beneficial. It, it probably has never crossed your mind to think as the president of the draft league and be like, man, I'm glad I don't have to negotiate with someone like Scott on the other side of this, right? For my college guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Do, you, do you ever have one side of the brain say this and then the other side go, well, wait, I remember when dot, dot, dot. Does that happen to you? No, I, I think the biggest thing is, like I said, because the purpose is relationships, I've always been player centered. Wherever I've been, on the scout side, I was player-centered. On the draft side, uh, draft league side, I was player-centered. So for me, it was always, is this in the best interest of the player? Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't in the best interest of the player, for me, it was, we can't do this. And and so being in the draft league and running that and having conversations with GMs and owners about different things, there's just certain things like, nope, it's not in the best interest of the player. We're not going to do that. And then there was other things where it wasn't convenient for the player, but it was in the best interest of business. So then guess what? We're going to go ahead and make this move because it it just it's inconvenient. It doesn't become detrimental to the player. It's just inconvenient for the player. Well, life is inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So they'll get over it. Absolutely. Uh, you said in the press release announcing your hire that you understand what it takes to get Mizzou to a championship level in baseball. So, so tell us, what is it? What, what's it going to take? That edge, that grit. Um in order to play here and be part of this program, you got to have that dog. If you don't have that dog in you, this is the wrong place. It'll be a horrible experience for you. Um, again, we will not be victims of our own circumstance. The the situation that we're in, this is the situation that we're in. Either you accept that challenge and you come, and it'll be that much sweeter when we're on that dog pile, or you won't. And I'm okay with that, right? Like it's not for everybody. So we have to get back to finding guys that have that chip on their shoulder, that understand. Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, whether we have a $80 million stadium or we have a $5 million stadium, there's no difference when you cross that line. The field, again, as I said in the press conference, from our mound to our plate is 60 feet, 6 inches like everywhere else. From home plate to first base is 90 feet. We use the same bats. The balls are the same. We have all the things that we need to be able to put ourselves in a position to go out there and compete. And you have to accept and understand that. And just because School X has this doesn't necessarily put them in a better position or put them in a position over us, right? Mississippi State, and I know those guys are great guys, they have the best facility in college baseball, except for maybe now Arkansas with what they did with their adjustments. They finished 13th and 14th the last two years in a row. So what did what did all that do for them when it came down to 
stepping across that line and competing. And then we just talked about ORU, Indiana State. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Terre Haute, <laughs> but that's not a baseball mecca, right? <laughs> like, you know, so, so again, at the end of the day, do you have enough inside of you to understand nothing else matters? All I need is the opportunity. And if I have the opportunity, then that's giving me what I want. You know, you mentioned in your press conference, too, kind of about the style that your teams have played. And, and it's easier, I think, to say offensive style than pitching because, you know, pitching is kind of its own category. You control the game that way, and you always want to have good pitching. But offensively, you talked about on pressure on defenses. And the way I think about college baseball is, yes, it is a pressure game. It's a pressure game more so than it is a knock-it-over-the-wall game. Even in a year, really the past couple of years, where knocking it over the wall has been a big part of putting pressure on the other team well they can do the same thing too so how do you see that playing out in terms of your style of offense putting pressure on defenses not just around this country but specifically in this league well I think first you have to look and we have to coach our personnel right if the system that I want doesn't fit the people that we have we have to coach and put a system in place that fits the people that we have uh, and we can't try to again take a round peg and put it in a square hole uh, so understanding that and then understanding over time we recruit the pieces that fit the system that we want and you'll see it transform as we move forward. We'll try to put elements of what it is that we want to do in place now, but again, if we try and force it to be something that it's not, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. So I think over time you will see that because the same athleticism that we want to have on the offensive side of the ball, that athleticism will put us in a great position on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if there's a geographic aspect to, to your recruiting when you're thinking about that players with that dog in them, like you mentioned, for Mizzou. But, but to me, I, I'm, I'm thinking about you, you might tend to look toward guys that are used to playing baseball in long sleeves and are used to the bat stinging a little bit because it's 30 degrees outside and they're still out there. It's, is there any aspect to that at all? Because, you know, especially at the start of seasons here at Mizzou, the, the weather can certainly play a factor. Oh, you definitely have to look at that. Um, but the one thing that we'll also do, too, is when we, you know, when I was here before, we were recruiting kids from Georgia and, and having that conversation, well, how's cold up there? Okay, well then, don't play professional baseball because when you start the season in Cedar Rapids, <laughs> uh-huh. like it's not you. You can get through April in Cedar Rapids and maybe get snow. So, is is that what you're telling me? You want to check out now because <laughs> that opportunity may present itself. So, um, yes, you want to to have that happen because again, that eliminates um, a barrier for them. But at the same time, those kids that are mentally tough. Again, all they're wanting is the opportunity. So we have to seek out kids that say, this is an opportunity for me to play at the highest level, to play at the best conference in the country, and I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to run with it. Is it your intention to get out to Omaha this year, or are you just too busy with everything else that's going on? I guess it would have to happen this week. you got to stay at home and, and do that this season. So we are um, we have a dead period coming up mm-hmm. where we can't go off campus and recruit. We can't have kids on campus. Uh, and I am uh, on the board of directors for the American Baseball Coaches Association. So every year this first weekend, we meet in Omaha. So it actually works well uh, for me to be able to go up there for those meetings, um, You know, going through trying to get some assistant coaches hired this week. Uh, So if I can check that box and then go up there and have those meetings and and fulfill my obligations at the board of directors, um, then that's why I'll go up there and and be up there for a couple days and then come back home. How's Ian Kinsler as an interviewer? Was he a tough guy to win over to to get this job? The, the, The cool part with Ian was, again, you have somebody who's been here, 
who knows what it is. Um, and one of the questions he asked me, similar to what you said, was how do we get back to what we were and what happened? And as I explained it to him, we moved to a new neighborhood, but we changed our identity because we moved to a new neighborhood. It's not about the house you live in. It's about the people that are in that house. And so we have to get back to being consistent to that. And then it was just baseball talk. And I can do that all day. So um, he wasn't hitting me with hard questions. It was baseball questions. And we were just talking the game. Um, and because that's something that you love and you know and you're passionate about, those are easy conversations. Corner infield defense, I'm sure, was you know a big <laughs> part of that, right? It, or just infielders in general. Right. It, it, you know, as as you take a look at everything that has brought you here, what what is the thing you are most grateful for in your experiences to get you to this place where, like you said, you have this gratitude and this excitement for being head coach of the Missouri Tigers? When you look back, you know, is there something that stands out on the journey that says, man, this is this is why I'm glad to have taken this to be here where I am today? Each step of the way, somebody gave me an opportunity. Somebody believed that I was good enough and I was that guy to help them get their goals accomplished. And so each of those people and each of the opportunities I had previously have led me to this. If anyone along those stops would have said no, it wouldn't have deterred me. It had just meant that I had to go a different route. But when you look back at each opportunity that I was blessed to have, it led to where I am today. Garrick Jackson, head coach of Missouri Baseball. Glad to have you here. Thanks for taking some time with us on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing what it looks like in the fall and then eventually when we get it going for real in February. And We, we could talk about that another time. I know that's a sore subject, but we appreciate you being here, man. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Coach. Garrick Jackson with us. We will come back with a little conversation for you after you hear from our friends at Shelter Insurance. A shield against the elements. Comfort in the midst of chaos, shelter in the aftermath of destruction. For 75 years, Shelter Insurance has remained true to our promise to be there when you need us most. This is the heartbeat of our company, our why. And throughout our history, it has never wavered. Shelter Insurance. For your auto, home, and life. We're your shield. We're your shelter. And the podcast is also powered by Raceline. With over 30 years of turnkey project execution, Raceline is an industry leader in engineering, manufacturing, and installation of modular process systems. Click. Vroom. This is this is the time of year, for me anyway, when I think of installation of modular process systems, it's always like that mid-June period. I where think I'm of like, the good old summertime. It's the peak yes. time. Yeah, it's really the peak time as you as you head into, you know, the, the summer solstice. That's when you want to really get your modular process systems installed. You want that maximum amount of daylight. Because, because lunar alignment is going to be very important. Right, right. Lunar I mean, and solar. Yeah, yeah. Abs- uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you want the most sunlight possible for that installation process to be possible. And I mean, reach out to our friends at Raceline. They'll, they'll tell you the same thing. Welcome to the Horoscope Podcast <laughs> with Brad and Matt. So glad you're here. Um, I mean, you, you can hear, and, and if you heard it on the podcast feed earlier, uh, we posted some of the introductory comments of Desiree Reed-Francois and our guest today, Garrick Jackson. Uh, the enthusiasm is very clear, and the understanding of what Missouri baseball is, can be, and means to him shines through very simply and I think that Coach Jackson being in this place and getting a bunch of people on the same page again to say this is what this can be is 
is important, is valuable, and is something that will serve the program well as it goes forward, regardless of what happens on a baseball field. Yeah, I mean, he, he came across well. I mean, the resume speaks for itself, all the stuff he's done. And then as a college baseball coach, the success he had at you know Southern getting to an NCAA tournament, winning a conference tournament there, and then the, the big win improvement in his one year at Memphis. So he, he knows what it takes to succeed generally in college baseball. And like you said, I think he's got a good feel specifically for what it's going to take to be a successful Mizzou college baseball coach, which does come with some unique challenges that he kind of touched on a little bit. And he's like, okay, that's that's what we have. This is the situation. Now let's go out there. Let's find players that embrace that and, and embrace that mindset that it's going to take, the the mentality that it's going to take to succeed. And and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he's able to, to put together. And, and like he mentioned, I mean, <laughs> hiring the assistant coaches, obviously, but you see the the era that we're in, and it's really across most sports, but especially when you have a coaching change in this transfer portal era, it, it's going to be a, a very different looking product for Mizzou, and just in terms of the personnel, and that that's just the reality of, of college athletics now. But it also gives you an opportunity. We saw this with Dennis Gates in men's basketball to potentially have a pretty dramatic turnaround in terms of results too. So we'll, we'll see how things play out, and, and I'm excited for one to see it again compartmentalized in the same compartment. You know you know the reason I asked about do you do things methodically or do you do it all at once? And I think that was the answer that is probably correct in today's day and age. Uh, D1Baseball.com says there are over 2,000 individual names <laughs> in the baseball transfer portal. And that was earlier this week. They are being added every single day. So there are 2,000 human beings out there from all different places wanting an NCAA home, and you get to filter through that and see who you can attract. And some of those might be your own names coming back. This has happened in multiple places. Um, It's happened at the University of Missouri in this new era where a name's in the portal, and that name ends up back on the team. That is something that is plausible in college baseball. So to see how that all shakes out over the next couple of months is going to be fascinating. And then taking that group and and forming a plan with it will be, you know, the real business of getting a season started. And related to Mizzou baseball, by the way, another shout out this week for Luke Mann. He was named second team all South region by the coaches. Of course, he had a great season. He was second team all SEC, hit 311 with 21 homers. But but props to him as we kind of start to to close the book on 22-23, start looking ahead to the 23-24 athletic calendar. I'll put it this way. If they didn't consider Missouri as a byproduct of their conversation, Conference affiliation, a South region player, he'd have been a first team all Midwest. It, it's without a doubt in my mind. I mean, Luke Mann's that type of player. And so uh, success to him wherever it takes him in this offseason, which I'm sure will have just the same sort of interest in it like it did last offseason when it comes to professional opportunities and for a couple others on Missouri's team, too. We'll see where it goes. Um, the track and field outdoors are, are done. Congratulations to friend of the pod, Roberto Vilches, because um, third place ain't bad (laughs) when you're looking at the whole shooting match that's really good absolutely one of six tiger all-americans in austin texas uh, late last week vilches was the the highest honoree if you will for mizzou he finished bronze nationally in the high jump season high seven feet 4.25 inches so props to him putting a bow on a, a great season a great couple of seasons really he was also the sec champion in the high jump and that's uh that's really good stuff from vilches pretty much throughout the spring 
Yeah, we might have to have him on and ask, you know, if you get to the air up there and you set a personal record, like, do you breathe with a different confidence? <laughs> like when you've when you've high jumped an extra, like, you get few a, centimeters. He's lucky he didn't get a nosebleed as high as he's jumping. That's My true. Goodness. Crazy. Yeah, we, we need to ask about nosebleed prevention next time <laughs> we speak to Roberto here on the podcast. Anything else? Well, I, I, I did want to mention that, you know, Mizzou men's basketball recently announced the addition of, of Connor Vanover, who played, mm-hmm. of course, previously right. at Arkansas and Oral Roberts. It, it seems like that's going to kind of round out the, the roster shuffle on the men's basketball side. But uh, a big addition, literally a big addition, seven feet, five inches, second in the nation in blocks last year for Oral Roberts. And he hit about one and a half, three pointers per game. So it, it's a really interesting piece. And especially with Muhammad Diara now. Now gone from the roster, Kobe Brown leaving his name in the NBA draft. Vanover really fills a need. He's a veteran guy, too. So I, I, I think that was a really nice pickup. What I remember seeing him play in person with Arkansas was just I just remember thinking potential, you know, and he's still kind of more tall than wide. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that's always an effort for every coaching staff that's uh, had a chance to work with him. But his skill set is very clear and his skill set is he can be a three and D big, which I tell you what, at the next level, they like those sorts of guys. So seeing how that shooting improves and how that works in in terms of an offense defense a transition for Connor Vanover will be important to point out. But I think there are a lot of ways that Dennis Gates and company are saying, oh, we we have some ways we can use you, man. So I'm excited to see what that looks like on the floor. And kind of sticking with uh, the men's basketball theme, congrats to former Tiger Michael Porter Jr. He won his first NBA title on Monday night with the Nuggets. He started every game in the finals, finished out with a 16-point, 13-rebound effort in Game 5. And, you know, really the whole finals, the jumper was not falling at the level that we've gotten used to from MPJ. So he 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 really made himself versatile, available, and valuable in other ways by being able to attack the basket, piling up a bunch of rebounds at, at six foot ten or 6'11", or however he is now, how tall he is now. And also, I think he's improving as a defender at that level as well. Obviously, he started for an NBA champion. you got to play a little bit of defense, but... Yeah, congratulations to him. He's just the fourth Tiger to win an NBA championship as a player and the first since Clay Johnson on the 1982 Lakers. So it's been more than 40 years. Congratulations to uh, Mike for pulling that off. And if you've read the reporting on how it's happened, done it all with a carbon fiber plate on his foot and up his leg because of all the injury concerns that he's had and the surgeries he's had to go through. I mean, people have said, well, is Michael Porter Jr. played to the potential that everybody hoped for and no that potential still out there for him to reach at the highest level but to be able to play the way he has under the circumstances he has probably is a greater testament to his will and his talent combination than anything else and so another offseason to get better there's still a bright future ahead for him it doesn't have to end at this level it can go up another couple of notches for him I'm convinced that's a great point the, the ringer.com had one of the better articles that I've read anyway on MPJ and, and it pointed out yes a lot of back injuries you, you start to think certain things with back issues but none of the stuff that he's gone through necessarily is a, is a permanent deal like this could all continue to heal as he goes through more off seasons and he's still in his early 20s so he's a guy like you said that that 
that ceiling is is definitely up there. And finally, he's not the only recent champion who was a Mizzou alum. We we didn't mention Sarah Lubert last time. I'm not sure when that happened. Oh, no, that happened after the last after time. the last podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I believe it's Liga MX. She was the champion with mm-hmm. with Club America down in Mexico a couple weeks ago, and so that that was really cool. She's also a, a former podcast guest. November 28th of 2022. If you want to scroll back on the feed and, and check out that conversation that we really enjoyed with her here in the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast Studios. Judging by the social media reaction we got to that interview, she's developed quite a fan club south they of the border. They love her at Club America. How, how cool is that? The from, fans from, of that team love Sarah. Yeah, from mid-Missouri, you know, growing up in mid-Missouri, then to Mizzou, having a lot of success, and and then to have that down in Mexico to win a, you know, to win a club title down there is pretty sweet. And again, I did not major in Spanish at the University of Missouri and have only a very limited understanding of the language, but from what I gathered from their social media and, and Club America's women's team, I think they had over like 55,000 in the Azteca for that second leg of the final that they had at home, so they won it and, and clinched it in front of their home fans, and I think that was probably a women's high in Mexico in terms of an attendance. So you got to have a big 55,000 person pop when you scored your goals, and I believe it was a 2-1 final that they were able to get the victory. And um, yeah, you, you get to soak all of that in as a professional in the women's game, which we know is continually growing and continually expanding, but that's world-class. So Sarah Lubert, a world-class athlete in a world-class location and hoisting a world-class championship is super cool. So congratulations to her. Got to add her on the list for, for future podcasts, get her back on to talk about that, because like you said, I'm, I'm imagining that was an incredible She'll atmosphere. do the whole thing in Spanish next time. She's <laughs> been learning. I know she has been. So um, a lot that has gone on, a lot still to talk about here on our pod, so make sure you follow Follow us, like us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So just do it, okay? Hit that subscribe button if you're listening for the first time. Uh, we'll keep you up to date, especially as we get towards the fall and, and football and everything else coming around. Big thanks to Carrick Jackson for joining us today. He's Brad Trinago. I'm Matt Michaels, and we'll be with you next time on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Central Bank Tiger Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.